do when your world turns upside down? What do you do? Not everybody else. What do you do when your faith is sorely challenged? Has anybody ever had their theology challenged to the point that you feel like you're going to break? God, are you going to be a God of your word or not? Has anybody ever fussed at God? Has anybody ever questioned God and his authority? Apparently you survived it. You're here. See, sometimes we don't think we can get authentic with God. But I'm here to tell you, God can handle it. You got to get honest. What do we do when there's economic collapse? Anybody enjoying inflation? What do you do when there's more month than there is money? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when there's such fierce division among people? When you walk on eggshells at work and you're not sure what move they're going to be in today? What do you do when there is political upheaval? When you're disappointed in your party as well as the other party? Matter of fact, you just aren't happy with any of them. Can I hear an amen? Amen. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when there is accelerated confusion? How many knows it's a confused day out here? Words I thought would always be mean a certain thing have been flipped. I was taught respect. I was taught certain names, pronouns were used to show respect to somebody else. And all of a sudden, somebody's chewing my head off for it. Anybody else there? What do you do when there's spiritual apathy? What do you do? What do you do when there is such a moral decline in a nation that was built upon the principles found in God's Word? What do you do when everything I said and other things are combined hitting you all at once? What do you do? Well, it reminded me as you're turning to Psalms 11, getting ready to read that, of a story I heard a long time ago. And a group of deacons got with their pastor. And they were very concerned about their church, struggling financially, looked like they were going to have to close the doors. And they said, Pastor, what's the most challenging thing we're dealing with? Is it ignorance or is it apathy? And the pastor simply said, I don't know and I don't care. That's a joke, folks. You just missed it. (laughs) Ignorance and apathy. I don't know and I don't care. 
And that's where we are. Ignorance. Driving us to a point of what do I do? One tendency is, of course, to just give up, right? Futility. What's it going to matter? You know, I used to do this, but I don't know if it's worth it anymore. I'll just give up. How many times have I been with one member of a marriage and one of them look at me and say, I'm, I'm done. I'm just numb. I'm done. I'm done. I don't feel anything anymore. I'm just done. I'm going to give up. It doesn't matter what I do. I don't what I say, what I try. It's all futility, exercise of futility. I'm just going to give up. Another tendency, of course, is to compromise. To compromise to a point that we lower our own standards. Today, the terminology is being politically correct, but it goes beyond that. There's polity in anything. There's polity in your marriage, right? There's things that you've discussed and you understood, or at least your perspective was the two of you understood. Your household with your children, we thought we raised them a certain way, and there's a polity here, and yet somebody's not getting the message anymore. You see confusion, just swirling, apathy, swirling, struggle, battle. It's a battle for the mind, battle for our peace. We so we just compromise. Okay, okay. How many have ever had a child that just constantly, mommy, 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 okay. You can have it. Thanks. You ever have one of those? Daddy, daddy, daddy. Daddy, I want, daddy, I want, daddy. Daddy, I want, daddy. Okay, okay. Just this one time. After a while, he's conditioned dad. It's like, yeah, okay, I know the drill. They almost get their watch on. It's like, okay, he'll cave in in three minutes. He said, that's the other thing we do when we're pressured. What do you do when... And you just cave in, you quit. You just take cover. I want you to stand with me to Psalms 11, just seven verses. And you will find that the psalmist is where we are, asking the same things, challenged with the same things. Psalms 11, verse 1 In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow in the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His his, his eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous 
and he loves righteous deeds, and the upright shall behold his face. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And let this thing speak to us now. Let it be our homework. Let it speak to us tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day again until we get it so ingrained in us to know who you really are and what you're about to do in our lives. In Jesus' name. Before you see to turn to two people, say it's good to see you in the middle of the summer. This is a picture. This psalm is a picture. And once the picture is framed for you, you'll get your watercolors out and fill it in your own way. But the lines are being drawn out for us. And you'll find that what we're struggling with is exactly what the psalmist was understanding. Because the psalmist comes out and says, I, I know what I'm going to do. And yet, there's another voice speaking. And that voice simply says, listen, run to your mountain. Run! Run, forest, run! <laughs> Just making sure you're still here. Run! And you hear the psalmist say, why would you say that to me? as if I'm a bird and I can just take flight because apparently you don't see what I see. As I look around, my enemies are all around me. Where am I going to run to? I'm surrounded. I used to go over here for peace of mind, but I've got enemies there. My home used to be tranquil and peace, but now there's, there's war in the home. Uh, my siblings, I used to be able to depend on them. My parents, my children, my whoever. And when I see my enemies, they're not just visible. They have already got the bow bent. They don't just have the bow in their hands. It's already bent. It's already positioned. Because uh, I know about that bow. To be able to do that, there has to be a pull on the string. As I'm looking, it's not just a motion where they're pulling and threatening. They've taken the arrow and put it notched in the string as they have pulled it. Where am I going to run? What am I going to do? I want to run. Are you tired of listening to the news? Are you tired of hearing about this child murdered? And this child lost? Are you tired of hearing about anguish and pain and hate and bigotry? Are you tired of hearing it yourself? Yeah. 
But everywhere I look, there's enemies pulling the bow, the string, the arrow, it's all there. And they're in the dark shooting. In other words, they have taken the cover of darkness. Anybody facing darkness? How many believe in spiritual warfare? And the enemy's positioned. Oh, we know that we war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. And so he has to, from the dark side, to find those willing to serve in the dark army. Many times they don't even realize they're being used by those forces. And yet the reality is they still look like an enemy to me. I can't see that spirit, but I see that woman's face and it's ugly right now. It's all wrinkled up and snarled and teeth showing. She's not using very kind adjectives toward me right now. What do you do? In the cover of darkness, and they have found a target. Guess who the target is? Take your right hand, take that finger, point it right back at you, and say, moi. Because as you serve Christ, you understand that darkness is coming against light. This is no little fiction story. This isn't just, oh, well, this is what you teach in Sunday school. And at the end, everybody gets on a nice white horse and rides off and everybody's happy. No, I'm dealing with real stuff. Because the Bible says my enemies are shooting with a cover of darkness at the upright of heart. The righteous. How many believes we're living in a time that Paul was describing to another pastor by the name of Timothy and said, in those latter times, people will be fierce. They will be despisers of those that are good. Have you ever been hated for doing something good? I mean, you do something good and they, they rail on you and you're like, a simple thank you would have been sufficient. What, what, go back home, get in the bed and get up on the other side of the bed, please. Man, if you don't believe in spiritual warfare, you're missing the mark. The struggle, the battle, and the righteous are right in the middle of it. And the voice says, run! But where can I Run! It's confusion. And he says, what can the righteous do when the foundations are destroyed? National foundations, things that I thought would always be there, that people would take their hand and put over their heart or salute. What happened to the foundation? Am I talking to anybody today? Well, just run. But where am I going to run? What are you going to do when the family foundations have been destroyed? You've got to use the right pronouns. It's painful. It isn't a thing to mock. It's reality. It's war. There's enemies shooting at the upright of heart. What are you going to do? You see, this psalmist knew exactly 
what we're experiencing as well. When the foundations of the nation, when the, when the foundations of family, when moral foundations have been destroyed. You struggle, you, you, you shake your head. I guess the better expression today is you just try to find a wall and bang your head against it. Hope, I think of your father, Terry, who went home to be with the Lord not too long ago. Several years ago, we were building the stage out in the parking lot there we call the Kent. Terry took the responsibility of going to the Cobb County to get permission to build that, to get the prints. They came back and said, you got to have this, this, this. I won't take you through the whole thing. He's like, wow, we're just building a simple stage, but okay. And if you ever notice out there, that stage, it's already got a concrete border. There were trees there. And so we were just utilizing space that was not parking already, but they kept asking him, how many parking places are you going to lose? None. So Terry took Google Earth pictures and took over and said, see, it's already there. Those trees have died. We're just going to put a stage there. But how many parking places are you going to lose? None. How much water are you going to have? None. How many restrooms? None. It's a stage. He had to go back the third time. He went in with, he had her brother draw it up the CAD system professionally, take it in. It's a stage. We're not losing any parking places, no water, no electricity. It's just going to utilize space already there. And they said, but how many restrooms are you going to have? How many parking places? You got? How many has been there? And finally, her father walks out to the next room of the receptionist. He said, which wall can I bang my head against? And what was funnier, she said, well, usually they use that wall there. <laughs> that is a true story. Have you ever been to the proverbial wall? Or just... So if you can't run, just bang your head. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Do you just give up? Do you quit? Do you compromise? See, you got to remember there's some other foundations. God has his foundations. In Job 38, he speaks to Job and he asks him that rhetorical question. And where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? In other words, you weren't even thought of yet, and I've already done the work. The foundations were there then, and they're still here now. And these many years since Job, they're still there. It is the psalmist in Psalms 104 when he says, Lord, not only have you laid the foundations, but you set the earth upon those foundations that you created. In Psalms 102, he comes back again, and he said, of old you laid the foundations, and the heavens are the work of your hands. You are the one that still perceives all things and watches over the affairs of the earth. You're the one that allows the mountain to grow its lush grass again. You're the ones that make the brook sing continuously. You're the one that did all this, and you're still in charge of everything you created. The foundations that you put there, God, are not destroyed. Matter of fact, the psalmist come back again. He said, and this is what I've learned. 
the earth and the heavens, they will perish. Like a garment, they'll wear out. But you will never, ever cease to be. We've sung about it today. I need to testify of it today. When it didn't make sense, I just I knew enough about God just to stand. Only a mother could understand her testimony of how many sleepless nights. Not every night, but when you got new news that something was going real wrong. God, I, it's out of my control. I've done all I can do. I'm just going to stand and trust you. Well, I, I have comforters like Job, and they say, I ought to do this. You ought to do that. You should have done this. Well, I did some of that. You weren't there. Where were you when I was giving birth to that child? Where were you when I was creating that company? Where were you? And finally, you come back. I'm not going to get in that rat race anymore. God, you're the one that laid the foundations. Of old, you laid the foundations. Even for our salvation, Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God slain before even the foundations of the earth. Whoo, come on, somebody. The provisions that God makes. And when other things begin to wear out like a garment, you understand God hasn't changed. So now we look once again to what this psalm declared from its very beginning. What do we do when? The psalmist said, I take refuge in him. I take refuge in the Lord. I don't take cover, I take refuge. There's a difference. I'm not cowering, I'm just running to the rock. I'm going to my source. I'm going to almighty sovereign God. I'm gonna take him at his word. I'm gonna stand upon his word. I'm gonna stand under the promises of God. And even when nothing else makes sense, I know my God will not lie. Let every man be a liar, but my God is not a liar. Heavens and earth will pass away, but my God will not lie and he will not pass away, but he will supply all of my my needs according to his riches that are in glory. In him I will stand. In him I will trust. In him I will take refuge. In him I will take shelter. In that secret hiding place of the Most High, I will stand. When my emotions are getting the best of me, my spirit will say, but my God won't fail. I will take refuge in him. When everything is shaking, I will stand in him, Brother Jeff. The Hebrew writer says there's coming a time of shaking. How many knows we're experiencing some shaking right now? That sounds like a great song title. There's a whole lot of shaking going on right now. I'm all shook up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You never know how you're going to preach under the anointing. I'm telling you, it's crazy. But this is what the Hebrew writer says. When everything is getting shaken, there are those things that cannot be shaken. The shaking comes with a purpose because you're going to find out what really needs to stand in our life. And we know our God cannot be shaken. 
You see, what we've learned today is there's actually two voices speaking to the psalmist. It's the same two voices that speak to us every day. And in times like these, when we are emotionally spent, we're financially struggling, we're morally depleted for the moment, and we don't know where we stand, there's two voices speaking. The first is a voice of flight. The second is a voice of faith. Run, they say. Go to your mountain. How can I? There's enemies all around me. I'm not going to run. I'm going to take refuge. In other words, I'm going to stay right where I am. Because where I am, he already is. And he knows my needs. He knows what I'm going through. I take refuge in him. You see... I love what the psalmist also brought out. Excuse me, again, what, what, yeah, again, the psalmist brought out when he says, God, I'm looking at the wicked. I have focused on the wicked. Aaron touched on earlier and looking at other people. Well, they got, it seems like they got blessed more than me. And many times when we're going through struggle, we're looking to somebody else and seeing how they're doing. And we look to the wicked, it looks like they're winning. We look to the wicked. What about them, God? And then that voice of faith speaks. It says, wait a minute. I know there's a lot of pain going on, but this thing I know, that the Lord is still in his temple, and his temple and his throne room is in the heavens. And from there, he's the one that's guiding and directing the affairs of men and everything on this planet. My trust will be in him. In other words, the psalmist says, I know his address and it hadn't changed. He's still enthroned in the heavenlies. The song said it earlier that we've sung. I don't have to be convinced anymore than I already am. He is the same God. He is the God that preserved so many. He's the one that preserved Daniel in a lion's den with hungry lions that had been put on a starvation diet. But he was not afraid. He knew his God would supply He's the same God that walked with three into a fiery furnace. But those that observed in that fire, they said it's even hotter than it's ever been. Wait a minute. Are we getting delirious with the heat? Did we not put three men in that fire? I'm seeing four down there. And the one walking around with the other three is protecting them and keeping them. Not even the smell of smoke was on their garments as they came out. For they were shielded. Yeah, they were in the fiery furnace, but he also is. Oh. What do you do when the flood comes? Do you take refuge? This is how Jesus put it in a simple teaching as we close. He said, it's likened unto builders building a house and as they're building the house there's a flood coming oh my goodness it's too late now to build this house somewhere else <laughs> we're going to have to face this flood 
We can't run. We can't move the house. But you see, the first builder took the time to dig and keep digging and keep digging until finally hit bedrock and hit that stone of the earth, the foundation that God had already laid. Woo, come on, somebody. And from there, he anchored the piers into that foundation stone. (laughs) We find in the New Testament later, the word is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. I'm going to anchor into the bedrock with my faith, the voice of faith, and I'm going to build. Yeah, the flood's coming, but I'm built upon the rock. The second builder was also in the path of the flood, but there was a difference in the holes. They looked like they were equal in stature and in girth. But the second house had no foundation. What shall the righteous do when the foundations are destroyed? Well, the wicked, boy, it's strong language. God says, I hate evil. I hate wickedness and those that participate in it. Brimstone is coming with judgment for them. Would you stand with me now?